I'm gonna do something a little hard with this sermon and I need you to pay attention. Well, actually scratch that. Either pay attention or don't pay attention. But this is one of those, this isn't one of those sermons where you can kind of like drift in and out because this reading is a doozy. So you should choose now. <laughs> so this is the beginning of the end of Matthew's gospel. Jesus has just taught three parables about how to wait for Jesus to come back. And then he offers this teaching about the Son of Man coming in glory to judge the nations. The Son of Man separates the people like shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep get sent into eternal life, the goats into eternal punishment. And this reading causes a lot of anxiety in people, which it should. First of all, it's not polite to talk about such things. Secondly, like, we're all secretly afraid that we're goats, right? Like, I'm secretly afraid that I'm a goat. <laughs> but I can almost guarantee that you are worried about the wrong thing. But in order to have you believe me that you're worried about the wrong thing, I need to do some teaching. So here we go. First, Although this teaching follows a series of parables, this reading is not a parable. It is an apocalyptic judgment scene. Jesus isn't saying that the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Jesus is saying this is going to happen. When the Son of Man comes in glory, the Son of Man will judge the nations. This is Jesus telling the disciples what will happen in the future. And this is important because if we make the apocalypse into a parable, we read it differently than we otherwise might, and we can easily defang what Jesus is trying to say. This teaching is supposed to have some bite to it. We downplay this message at our own peril. Secondly, if this is a judgment scene, who is being judged? The answer is the nation. And the word here for nations is a technical term for someone who is not a Jewish person and not a Christian. All the nations really means everybody who is not Jewish or Christian. Because back in Jesus' day, the idea of dual judgments, of one judgment for the people of God and the other for everybody else, was not uncommon. This concept of a dual judgment one for Jews and Christians and the one for everyone else, is actually biblical, even though it doesn't get much airplay nowadays. Judgment of the nations shows up in Ezekiel 39 and Joel 3. Dual judgment also shows up in extra-canonical texts that were floating around at this time of Jesus. This is for the nerds. First Enoch, Psalms of Solomon, fourth Ezra, and second Baruch. So when Jesus teaches about the judgment of the nations, Everyone knows what he's talking about. Of course there are going to be dual judgments. There are two distinct groups of people. And actually, this reading of what will happen at the end of time for the nations is an expansive idea of salvation. The idea that some outsiders would be rewarded with eternal life, even though they did not ascribe to Judaism or Christianity, is actually rather heartening. We're not throwing everybody out just because they weren't born Jewish or heard the message of Jesus. So all this about sheep and goats is just about one of the two judgments. 
And you all sitting in these pews should be thinking to yourselves, great, this teaching does not apply to me. And it doesn't. This judgment is not about you. This is not a judgment for you. You will not be judged as sheep or goats. But I got some bad news for y'all. We're still in the parable. And if we're not sheep or goats, that leaves the least of these. The Christians are the least of these who are members of my family. And again here, Jesus uses a technical term, members of my family, that only ever applies to Christians in the New Testament. This means that Christians are in the story after all. And it's as terrible as you think it is. At least when you're being sorted as sheep or goats, you've got the chance of being a sheep. But here, your options aren't great. We're the naked. We're the sick. We're the prisoners. We're the hungry. We are the thirsty. Oh, no. Because I can't help but look at myself and look at the least of these. And then look at myself and then look at the least of these and look at myself and think, am I doing this wrong? And friends, that is what we should be worried about. Forget the sheep and the goats whatever. The sheep and the goats, they don't matter. Sheep and goats are God's problem. They are not your problem, and that is not about you. Instead, I am stuck on how comfortable I am. There's something really disconcerting about how Jesus assumes that the Christians will be suffering, and yet here I am. It stings a little bit. It makes me wonder if I'm doing it right. This keeps me up at night, and I worry. Now, please don't interpret what I'm saying about sheep and goats to mean that we shouldn't clothe the naked and feed the hungry. We absolutely should. The whole Bible is filled with scripture telling us to do exactly these works of mercy, to strive for justice and peace among all people. That's already baked into the Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament. We should love God and our windows. We should love God with everything we have and love our neighbors as ourselves. We don't need Matthew 25 to tell us to do that work. But what we do need Matthew 25 for is to remind us that when we suffer, whether suffering brought on by unhappy circumstance or through suffering brought on because of our sacrificial faith, Jesus is with us. Jesus identifies with us so utterly and completely that when we hurt, Jesus hurts. When we are the least of these, when we suffer for the sake of others or for Jesus, when our life has spun out of control, Jesus is with us. And of course Jesus is. This is just the way the incarnation plays out. The only way the incarnation comes to fullness with integrity. 
Not only does Jesus humble himself to come among us and live as a human, but Jesus loves us so much that when acts of mercy are done to us, it is though acts of mercy have been done to Jesus himself. The love of Jesus is so profound and we are so wrapped in his love that Jesus dwells so closely with us. We are indistinguishable from him and his love. And even more than that, because we are so close with Jesus, our own pain invites others into Jesus' sheepfold. Our pain invites others into the salvation story itself. This isn't just about us. And this extreme love, extreme empathy, and extreme identification with us, this belovedness, this should make us brave, brave enough to follow Jesus wherever he calls. No matter what happens to us, no matter what life throws at us, we are free to follow Jesus because Jesus is with us. So throw those worries away. It turns out you don't need any of them. Amen.